0: this last few weeks we've been in a message series called the counterintuitive kingdom and it's been a ton of fun like i love to go back and just hear from christ himself right to go back to the gospels and say if we really want to know what this this thing called church is this thing about you know following christ christianity is all about like go back to the the, the god of the universe 100% man 100% god go back to his words and like and study him like look at him and And see, what did he have to say when he was here? And I love the, I love his words because they're always what, they're always completely against what we find in our world today. And it's, he's cutting right through like our gut instinct, what we think is common sense, what we think we can trust, even our own emotions. And he says, no, but here's what I'm trying to get you to see. Like, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Here's what, and what we're talking about today, here's what my father's kingdom is all about. And if you'll just trust me and if you'll take a step towards me, I will, I will reveal more and more truth to you. So last week, the past couple of weeks, we talked about how to live according to the Spirit. That every one of us, we we have those of us who follow Christ and say, Christ, you are my Lord. Accepted Him, have the Holy Spirit within us. And that's it's not just the pastor, right? It's not just the, the most spiritual people in the church, right? Like that's a myth that religious um, religious people we like to bring into play, the Holy Spirit is in all of us equally. If we submitted our life to God, now those, there's some of us who listen to the Holy Spirit more than others, right? Elbow your neighbor if you know somebody who doesn't listen to the Holy Spirit very much, right? They listen to their own spirit. But no, we all have the Holy Spirit equally. I'm going to fight with this for a minute. It's just those of us maybe pay attention and listen a little more. And the more we listen, the more His voice grows. And let me tell you a secret to this. It's always consistent with God's Word. Like the Holy Spirit isn't going to say anything strange to you that's not consistent in His Word. That's a whole sermon for later. We also learned that the humble are first in line. That those of us who say, I'm here to serve, Father. I'm here for You to use. It's not about me, right? I've had to submit to my, humil- my ego and my, like, my strong personality like so many times in my lifetime, and God is still at work in me where I have to say, you know what, it's not about me. It's about the, tr- the truth, the love. It's about following Christ and humble myself to what He's doing. A childlike faith is required. We're in review if you couldn't tell. And then what we talked about last week, that He wants us to live and love and invest intentionally. Like how cool was it? I don't know about you guys, but I love standing out by the ocean, talking about what Jesus' ministry was like on the Sea of Galilee. And so, the Sea of Galilee was really just a big lake. It took a couple of hours to get across this lake. Um, it was also known as a like a wind tunnel. So I think us here in Kodiak, we can um, we can relate to this. It was in the middle of these two mountains in a valley, and the wind just blew right through this this tunnel this wind tunnel this lake over the sea of galilee and on that sea is where jesus did a lot of his ministry so today we're going to talk a little bit more about that much of christ's teachings are counterintuitive that's why it's so important that we go to god's word like that's why it's so important that we have men and women in our lives who will speak truth to us who will speak the word to us especially when our emotions are getting the best of us because a lot of times his word will say things that just kind of put us in this position of wow i thought i was right about this how many people feel like they're right most of the time right like i'm right all the time that's email emails always right if you have a choleric personality they also call that a high d in the disk profile if you have a choleric personality you're always right and actually it says, you, you, most of the time you are, right? You just need to let everybody else catch up. So, no, I'm kidding. Christ's teachings are counterintuitive. And before, it, if you will actually go to His Word, He's going to tell us it's not about being right. It's about submitting to me, to Christ, to being loving. To having the truth, right? And if we have the truth, we know we don't get to beat each other up with it. Amen. Like we just have to submit to it. And it, honestly, what it, it takes care of who most of the time? It takes care of me. That's what God's Word is for. Matthew 20, 16 says it this way, and this is what this whole series is about. So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. For many are called and few are chosen. It's a little bit of a warning. It's a little bit scary. God is calling All of us to follow him. Christ came to this earth so that every single one of us, the religious, the Jewish, the Gentiles who, who, who actually didn't have religion, like they didn't have a Jewish tradition, they didn't have, but it was for everybody. The message is for everyone. Jesus came for all of us. And he said, I want everyone to come to my kingdom. The only, only a few are chosen. So on the Sea of Galilee, We'll go back to one of His miracles back on the sea, just like we did last week, except this week, turn to your Bibles in Mark 4, 35-41. We're going to go see one of His miracles, I think, that's relevant to what's going on in our world today, maybe even in some of our lives today. Let me read and get us started. Mark 4, 35-41. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. Talking about the Sea of Galilee. And leaving the crowd, they took Him with them in the boat. So now all the disciples of Jesus are in the boat, just as He was. And just referring to many other times that they had taken the same trip. And other boats were with Him this time. So they actually had a group of people, a group of boats, much like if you look out in the harbor right now, you see several boats like waiting for a journey, or they, these guys are waiting for fish. But they're all loading in, and then this, because of that wind tunnel we talked about, because of where they were, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the so the waves are literally spilling inside the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern. This is Jesus. He's asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him. And this was probably Peter. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing, that we're about to die? And Jesus woke and rebuked the wind. The word used there is he ordered the wind. He commanded the wind and said to the sea, be still. Peace be still. And the wind immediately ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, to the disciples, he said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So the disciples are still learning, right? They're still learning that this, that even they've seen Jesus do miracle after miracle, right? It's just like us today. Like he does, he brings good and miracle and teaches us lessons, and then we go to sleep and we wake up the next day, and what? It's all about us again. In our in our faith, I'm going to keep fighting with this. And our faith is still growing. That's exactly where the disciples were. They were afraid. They were first afraid because of the waves. They were first afraid because they thought we're going to die. And who's been on a boat? I think Evans had several stories, right? Who's been on a boat where the storm rushed in and the waves got huge? And he said, "We might not make it back today." Like even so there's a reason why we have two motors on our boat cuz when one fails at least you'll have the other motor to get back and and I don't know if that's a sign of even's faith or not I don't you know we'll, we'll have to talk about that later No but the storms are going to come and just like where we are right now and I've prayed with many of you this last couple weeks the storms are real they're real in my own life they're real in your life. They're all very different storms, what we're facing. I, I've i never seen more personalized storms like I've seen in the last six months. Like very personal, very specific to each person that I've talked to. And it's so very unique, and there's something to that. There's something like spiritual, and I'll make up a word, warfare about that, when the storms we're battling are so specific and unique to us. And I I hope it's not, but it could be pains or it could be waves that are getting our attention for maybe what's in the future. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to be a prophet. Storms allow us to learn the trust. That's why storms are there, to build faith. So think about this for a second. Just like where we are right now, I've said it like probably a hundred times now, none of this surprised God. Like none of where we are right now surprised God in our nation In our marriages, in our family, like none of it surprises him. Think about it; he knew exactly where we'd be today. And maybe it's what we started off with. Like maybe it's that, maybe it's he's waiting for us to say, "God, we need you. Like we need you in this. Like I need you in this." And make yourself real to me. So Jesus got in the boat. He told the disciples to go across the lake. And he knew that the storm and the waves were going to happen. Like he knew it was going to happen. Let me read this part again. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and the disciples woke and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? So what I like about Mark's writings, if you ever want to read like the book of Mark all the way through, here's what you'll find. Mark is, is writing an account from the witnesses who spent their lives with Christ. And what's cool about Mark, his whole purpose of writing, he le- and this is the reason why I like Mark, he leaves off all the fluff. Like Mark is just factual. He's straight to the point. He tells you what, what you need to know. But also, Mark does this. The author of, of the book of Mark. He lets you get to see the humanity, the human side of Christ. A lot of the other authors give you a little window into that, but Mark says... He was asleep on the stern. And what we get to see in this is Jesus was tired. Like His earthly body, He was actually exhausted. And so He fell asleep knowing there was a storm coming. Like He fell asleep because He had to rest. Like even the God of the universe in His human body had to rest. Like ponder that for a moment. What's cool about Mark's writing, he lets us get to see that. And then he awoke, and the Scripture says he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. This word in Greek, this word originally, rebuke, means ordered. It actually has this meaning of he, almost like what he did when he cast the demons out of the pigs, or he ordered an evil presence to leave. This, it's the same word is being used here. It's almost like the sea's Where a spiritual battle is what some preach, what some pastors and theologians are saying is happening here. And it's something that I've not seen or even considered before. The seas, the storms, the waves that came up all of a sudden was actually a spiritual warfare going on against the disciples. But what? But God used it. And Christ was there, and he ordered it to cease. Peace be still and the wind ceased. And there was a great calm, and He said to them, why are you so afraid?" Many of us are walking around. This is where we'll get personal. Like many of us are walking around. I don't know about you, and I, I, I kind of don't want to share the details of a personal storm I've had the last three weeks. It wasn't terrible, but it was enough. Right? Um, I'll, maybe I'll share it in a minute. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> But some of us are carrying around these things that are getting the best of us. Right? When life doesn't go our way, when we're just trying to cross the water and get to the other side is what we're thinking, and the God of the universe told us to go there, so surely we're going to be fine, right? If Jesus told me to do something and I'm doing it, like I'm going to get to the other side. Except when what? The boat starts spilling up with water. Like, each one of us is carrying this storm. Like, I spent half of my life carrying a storm. And even today, I'll allow it to grab my heart again if I'm not careful. And I always have to give it back over and say, God, I've, I've forgiven that person. Like, I'm, they're not going to hurt me anymore like in my mind, even though they're even no longer on this earth. Like, I'm not picking that thing back up. And God, I've even what? I've even seen You use that to get my attention for your good and the good of those who love you. Every one of us is carrying a storm. Thankfully, some of us in this room are no longer fighting that storm or those winds, and you've made it through it. And that's called what I like to say, your testimony, your story. I hope every person in this church has a chance to come up in front of our, ch- our congregation and share what God has brought them through. Or, even better sometimes, what God is bringing them through. I think the Christianity that I grew up in, the religion that I grew up in, often likes to tell stories where there's a nice neat bow on the top, right? Where it's all perfect and finished. And I don't know about you, but I've never met a, a perfect and finished person on this earth yet. Not even myself. But what's cool is to say, this is who I once was, but God got a hold of me. And now, like, it's about the direction that I'm going in, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. Storms are not all bad. They're not all spiritual warfare. they're not all spiritual battle. they just they're real. They're, they're, they're actually um, Christ says our life is not going to be easy, that we will have trouble, and that they will come into our lives. The question is. Are we going to allow our faith to grow when we get hit by the next storm? Are we going to lean into Christ right now if we're in the middle of a storm? And like you guys, I often try to like fix that storm or get through it because I'm what? Because I'm a strong independent like I'll say young man, even though I'm not anymore. I'm like a mid, what do you call a middle-aged man? Like I think I could get through it with all of my experiences and all of my ingenuity. And then every now and then I realize, like, no, Larry, you're you're not gonna get through this one without me. So let me keep going. We want Jesus to calm the storm, like we want Him to. We always want Him to calm the waves and take it away, get us through it, like the disciples in the boat. But His whole point of allowing these storms in our life, the whole point is He's there with us, and He wants us to to take one step towards Him. Even with the smallest amount of faith, like He wants us to just say, "Okay, even the smallest amount of faith is enough." And God, even though I'm overwhelmed and I'm fearful, and the boat's filling up, like I'm gonna stop for a second and go, "Okay, but You can fix this." Like even though this this virus has like made its way all across the globe, it has split us like politically. We're all divided because what? Because humans are good at having, what, opinions? <laughs> like, like, our opinions are a storm in themselves, amen? And they get, they get the best of us sometimes. And I'm pointing the finger at me. Even the smallest amount of faith, though, is enough. Christ says, that's all you need. Which one of you guys, so this is the part where we get to like characterize or have a personality profile. Which one of you guys would have been in the boat, staring at the waves, And freaking out and going we're gonna die like just be honest like okay so there's i i'm not going to say her name she's not in the room she's taking care of kids downstairs someone in my family would have been that person (laughs) and she's actually super brave right but every now and then we get this glimpse of oh wow like um, mom's a little like worried you know we're gonna die so which one of you guys would have been a little bit frustrated because Jesus is sleeping in the stern of the boat on a cushion while, while the boat's filling up with water? Which one of you guys would have said, would, would he, even, he could do something? But, so all of us are different and we all have different personalities. But which one of us, and I think this is the point of the story, which one of us would have walked across to Jesus to ask him, are you going to do something? right? And how, how long would that have taken you? Like, no time. No time. Ter- Terry would have won that battle. She'd be like, excuse me, wake up. You have work to do. And that's the point. It's like those of us with faith, the God of the universe is sitting right in the boat with us. Some of us are just looking at the waves crashing in going, we're going to die, which 100% we all are going to die, by the way. And, and it may be that day, which is why, why I don't mind hanging off a cliff with a rope, you know, rappelling down a mountainside or mountain biking with Steve Paulson. You may very well die mountain biking with Steve Paulson, especially without the right bike and gear. No, but I, I, the point of this is e- those of us with the smallest amount of faith, hopefully, we get to the point and we realize, like, I can't do anything about this storm but this guy can. I've seen him do miracle after miracle after miracle, and every bit of my emotion inside of me is, got, is terrified. It's, it's a very strong word. It's literally where our whole body is consumed with fear. Our thoughts, our hearts, our emotion, like every bit of it. Maybe even trembling. Matthew 13.30-34 30 says, All we need is a small amount of faith. And Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable he loved to teach in parables because that's how we learn best? Shall we use for it? He, sp- he, spoke, he spoke very plainly to the Gentiles. They weren't, uh, they weren't um, like the Jewish where they understood the Scripture and they didn't understand. So he spoke very plainly to the Gentiles, which I appreciate, right? He speaks plainly to me. It is, so this is a parable from Christ. It is like a grain of sand grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground and it's smallest of all the seeds on the earth so this very tiny seed yet when it is sown it it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make its nest in the shade he's saying all we need is the faith of a mustard seed so some of you guys have been bragging about the Alaska crops that grow right during the summer because we have so much sun. How many of you guys are like have gardens that are growing crops? I've heard about these cucumbers and like that are enormous, or watermelon, or like potato, like tomatoes, like they're extremely huge because they grow maybe it's on the mainland because they have sunlight all day long. It's comparing the faith of a mustard seed, something that's super small, that outgrows every one of those. He's trying to tell us that all you need is a little bit of faith. And I promise you, when it's done, when you give it to Me, My kingdom on heaven and on earth are going to be larger than you can imagine. And more real than you can imagine. So here's where we get practical. What is your next step of faith? I talk about these, these four areas a lot in our church. I talk about a lot about these four areas within us growing as Christians, because every single one of us is in one of these four areas. And so I'll ask, which one are you? Where are you? The first one is, I'm experiencing God. Like, I don't know that I have faith yet. Like, I don't know that I believe in this Jesus and kingdom stuff. Like, I don't know that I believe in what a lot of people say to me, religion. But I'm at least kicking the tires and asking questions. I'm at least going to show up at church maybe Probably more in my parents' day would would people walk to the church door when they have questions. Now, we'll talk about this later, more apt to we have to go and and meet them in the community. That's a bigger discussion. But people that are kicking tires. Right? So am I experiencing God? So those of us who are Christians, this this is a daily thing for us, for me. Am I experiencing God in His Word, in prayer, am I submitting to Him? Am I experiencing Him? The next one is I'm connecting. I'm daily connecting in His Word and prayer and now I'm serving. Like I'm literally, I'm connected to the body of Christ. I'm no longer just showing up on Sunday mornings you know, for church and saying this is like I believe, but I want to be a part of the community. Like I want to be a part of, of people who are heading in the right direction. Like I want to be a part of this thing that Jesus is calling us to, that He called the disciples to, that He called the crowds to. And He says, I, I want you to be a part of what we call the way, what people were calling the way back then, following Me and sharing the Kingdom. We can connect in our homes through Bible study groups. We can connect in fellowship over food, which is one of my favorite. I like to do both. So if we ever have a Bible study at our house or a hangout, we're going to have good food um, we're gonna have a lot of fun. We'll get into the word. We'll pray for one another. But the main thing is, we'll be real, right? This is a place where you can wear flip flops and T-shirts and shorts. Or, or hopefully, a lot of times we'll meet on the beach. But we're getting together. We're ha- we're doing life together. We're gonna, and we're not just having fun and in a social party because that's easy too, right? But we're actually we're spending time with God and one another. In a lot of churches, we've talked about before, we stop there experiencing connecting and so many people and i'll i'll be willing to wager on this and let and let god correct me when we get to heaven but a lot of churches in america a lot of christians stop right there and then over the years you've seen it time and time again when the kids graduate from high school or get to college a lot of christians lose purpose and they lose fulfillment and they and they get what do you call it, disenchanted or disillusioned with what Christianity is all about? Because they're like, surely this this isn't what it's all about, just showing up to church every Sunday and hanging out with people. Like, is it is that really what Christianity is all about? I believe these last two things are what where we are in the church in America and what we really need. Because we see it in the life of Christ. We're also experiencing, we're connecting. We're also supposed to be influencing. Like, and it's not, it's not just a leadership thing. It's not just like, oh, they're a leader, but I'm not. Like in in Christ's kingdom and God's kingdom, he says, No, you are all my ministers. Like you are all the what, what we talked about a few weeks ago. You all have my spirit, and you all have my word. And I want you to. I don't want you to go make a bunch of Larry followers because that's what, that's that's like not biblical. Like I'm joking a little bit, but pastors have to be careful. Like I want you to go and make followers of Christ who want this kingdom on this earth. Like I want you to go influence people, and and here's what's convicting. So I am so very choleric that I think the truth is the most loving thing you could tell people. Like, tell them the truth. And, and they'll know that you love them. And I'm constantly having to remind myself, like, Larry, that person probably doesn't feel very loved right now. And I have to go back and I have to say, forgive me for not being loving in that. Here's what I meant. Like, here's what I had to own. And I, more and more, the older I get, the more I'm convicted that my testimony is going to be, and my influence, is going to be way better if I could be loving in the short term and the long term. And let God do the wrestling. Like, let God do the convicting. Right? Let, like, let me just go to Him and pray for, for that person or that tough situation. Somebody told me this morning, and, I, and I'm not telling on anybody, so I won't share your name, but they said, you know, is it okay that I pray that God changes somebody else? You know, nudge your, nudge your spouse. It's like, God, please change that person. They are so annoying. <laughs> like, why are they making my life so miserable? Who's thought that this week, right? My, my kids might have thought that this week because I cracked the whip a little bit. So uh, we had stuff to do. And, and uh, you know, they had, I, I don't need to tell them my kids. Let's just, let's just, let me just tell you, I had to crack the whip this week. They're awesome. They're awesome kids. But then I had to go back and say, I love you guys. Thank you for, for just doing what I've asked you to do influencing who are you influencing all the leaders in our church over the last year i've asked each one to consider who are the two people that you're influencing who are the two people that you've wrapped your arms around and said i'm going to pour i'm going to pour the love of christ in you because god loves me i'm going to love you and i'm going to point the way to you All every if if you're in our church, eventually I'm gonna tap you on the shoulder and ask you, who are the two people that you're pointing that you're pouring into? This is influencing. And it's not just hanging out together over dinner, it's not just a cool picnic with with whatever beverage you're enjoying. Like it's it's truly being mindful of where are we. It's truly like talking about what God's doing right here in our community. Who are you influencing? And then this last one is my favorite. Who are you multiplying? Like, at the end of our days, this church has been around since the 1940s, right? Like, at the end of our days, even I've heard Marilyn say it before, we could be multiplying out worship leaders, sending them all over the nation. Like, we could be multiplying out Christians who love God, who who love Christ, follow Christ, and want to see that happen in our community. Like we could be multiplying future church leaders. Like, and I love it that our Coast Guard base is right here, because you guys get what a minimum of three years, and then you go and plant somewhere else. Like we would be amiss if we didn't see ourselves as a sending base. As the church who loves God and loves others, to say, maybe it's our job to steward each other for a three-year time frame. And then say, okay, what's your next step? So that's that's my question. Experiencing, connecting, influencing, and multiplying. Like if each one of you had to check a box and say, This is where I am. I'm experiencing Christ, I'm growing. Or I'm connecting with others. I'm loving God and loving loving others in the connection. Or I've made it to the influencing and multiplying part. Just you don't have to turn that in today, it's not a pop quiz. It's just something that is so important, I think, in the church today. It's honestly what our grandparents and great-grandparents did so very well. The times in my life when I grew the most was in Christ and my spiritual walk is when I had a couple of men and women around me who loved God and lived it out and were there for me. And that's what my prayer is for each of you. So we'll keep moving. I'm actually going to get towards the finish line pretty quick. If you are full of doubt today or if you've never seen God move, if you're still waiting for God to make Himself real, that's okay. Like, that's okay. I believe every single person in this room that we come in contact with will have a moment where God makes Himself real. And He shows us without a doubt, like, I love you, I have a plan for you, and you can trust Me. I believe especially in the middle of the storms is when we get to see some of those moments. And oftentimes they are. They're a fork in the road. I'll share a little bit. When I had a father who was rarely ever with us, only when it's time to have fun. He was too busy chasing happiness most of his life. And so I watched men. I watched Christian men. I watched all kinds of men. I watched them how they lived their lives most of my life. Then I had a stepfather who was actually a storm in himself, someone who was addicted to drugs and had a huge, what I call a black hole inside of him. And so I had to learn to keep my distance from a man like that. And so I grew up with what? I grew up with a pretty big storm, black hole in my life. And The one thing is, I think because one of my spiritual gifts is faith, the one thing is I always believed that there was a God who loved us. There was a God who was protecting us. I got to see it in my brothers' and sisters' lives. I got to see it in my own family. But God, time after time, proved themselves like, Larry, that is not the life I want for you. That is not who I'm choosing for you to be. I've made you to be different, but you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust me to get to these storms and get to the other side. Later on in life, our own son was diagnosed with leukemia. And many of you have heard this story already. But I'll tell you, when he was diagnosed with leukemia and then 11 days later he was gone, it was as if I had another very real opportunity to say, choose today who you'll serve. Like you can serve bitterness... You can serve fear. You can submit to that pain and that, and that hurt and those wounds or you can trust me. And, and I remember it was the most, probably the most difficult season that Myron and I had ever been through. And I said, God, I trust you. Like even, even with this, I trust you. Because I've seen him overcome, you know, I've seen him overcome so many different storms. And this one seemingly was the biggest one that we'd ever been through. I said, all right, we, we trust you. And I remember that time I was, gosh, I was 29 years old. You know, three little kids at home. Myra and I were both working, you know, two jobs 60 hours a week. And I remember saying, God, I give you all of myself. Like, Jesus, I trust you completely, even in the middle of the storm. And I don't know how you would react, and I don't know how you've reacted. I've heard stories from you guys. But I believe in every single one of those storms. like God gives us this choice. Just like the disciples in the boat when the winds are raging and the waves are crashing in, He gives us a choice. Are you going to trust Me? Or are you going to stare at the waves? Like, are you going to trust Me? Because I promised you the waves would come. Like in the future, and I, I hate to keep saying it, but we, if you read Revelation, like the waves are going to be huge when we get to those times. The waves are going to come. I've even had pastor friends. So my Facebook message box right now, and I, I don't share any of it with you guys because it's a little, a little weird, um, but all of our pastors and leaders that we know are saying that, that there are very hard days just ahead. These guys who think they're more prophetic and think they've got a window to the future, I, I don't believe a lot of it. But it's interesting how many of them are saying we have very tough days ahead it's actually going to get harder. So if the storms are coming, my challenge to each of us is to say, who are you clinging on to? Who are we clinging on to? Let me read Matthew sixteen twenty-four through 25 as we wrap up. Then Jesus told His disciples, if anyone wants to come after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Meredith and Anderson, you guys can come up. Let me finish with this last part and then I'll challenge you guys. Start where you are with what you have. Like there's so many Scriptures. One, One of the stories that I love and maybe we'll do it some other time in 2 Kings is where the woman with just a little bit of oil, right? She just has a little bit of oil left in her pantry and she says, Lord, this is all I have. And I believe like the whole point of Christ saying with just the faith of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. I believe Jesus is saying start with what you have with where you are. He said that's all you need. Just a little bit of faith. So as Meredith and Anderson begin to play in a moment, I'm going to say this and I'll challenge everybody in here to go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. If you need prayer specifically, I'm thinking of several people over the last few weeks that have asked for prayer. And I don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you need prayer and want to give anything um, to God today, and say, God, I need You. I'm tired of living this life myself. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of this storm raging in me. Or I'm tired of this storm getting the best of me. I ask that You just come down front and let me and a few of our leaders pray with You. And if everybody's eyes are closed and their heads bowed, If you'd like for our leaders in this church to, put their, to just pray with you on your behalf, just, I, I say give you a few moments. There's no rush. To just come up front today and just say it's an act of submission to say, God, I love you. I trust you. And I want to see you move in my life. Take this storm away from me. as Anderson and Meredith pray, we'll give some time. If that's you, I'd say don't stay seated. And don't worry, because no one's going to be looking. even if you'll come join me up here for a moment. Father, we love You. Father, I thank You for getting our attention, for getting a hold of us. Father, I thank You Honestly, that You allow the storms to come into our lives because it's more than we can handle. But Your Son has told us it's not more than He can handle. I thank You, Jesus, for what You're doing in the lives of our men and women in this church. Father, I thank You for constantly humbling us so that You can say, I have the path, I have a better way, and I love You more than You know. Father, take the storms that we carry with us. Take them. uh, We give them to you. We love you. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do in our lives and those that we love and those that are around us. In Jesus' name, amen.